From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, the podcast where we joy watch sci-fi movies and talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Hiya. Tonight we're talking about Tal, the 2018 film directed by Federico Alessandro. So consider this your spoiler warning. Yeah, so if you haven't seen this film, just stop now, go back and watch it and then join us to talk all about it. So, sorry, what's your number one takeaway from Tao? Uh, well, so the best thing is that I can foresee a beautiful future where I have Roombas that actually will clean up my murder scenes. I mean, clean up my spilled coffee, for example. <laughs> They're cool, those little drone things. I wouldn't mind them in my place with all the kids. Jeez. <sighs> Set them to work. Well, they're very nice because they, they work in this beautiful sort of dance-like movement. Do. Yeah. Synchronize moving in the 90 degree. I knew you would like that. You'd appreciate that because they kind of, it's very mathematical. I yeah, they sort of do this grid crisscross pattern where they meet up and then some of them turn left, some turn right, and they just, yeah, that's lovely. <laughs> it is. So I suppose the other thing also is that uh, artificial intelligence, we've, we've spoken about that before on the show. We have, yeah. And we've got this beautiful one here that was, as we're saying, designed to learn and grow. And well, that is the Tao, isn't it? That, is that it, is Tao. Tao, Tao himself is, is, is a, um, a person because he's got a name, mm-hmm. as we learn. And it's a far cry from the Commodore 64. Yes, it is. Although Tao couldn't upload super skills into your head like the Commodore 64 can. <laughs> no, that's right. Thanks but, to Gora. <laughs> yeah, thanks to Gora. Yeah. But it was very nice to see an artificial intelligence in the house. We've been getting this promised. Yes. And there's been a number of other science fiction uh, shows was there a twilight zone of that uh, i think so or outer limits yeah probably both there's been a simpsons there has been and um, i mean we had Hal from space Hal odyssey from space odyssey where yeah. where these computers go crazy but it was really nice to see this one here it's a computer that can gain empathy yeah and become uh, more human correct as opposed to revealing the the dark machine side of itself uh, it was a beautiful juxtaposition between the machine house versus the owner of the house who was a human, yep. but was decidedly less pleasant. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. His, his creation was sort of more, was more human than him or, or learnt to become human, didn't he? Yeah, it was, it was oh, except for his first version, which was Ares, that frightening robot. Yes. <laughs> that was the earlier version, which the death was robot. a bit... <laughs> bit limited in its abilities. Yeah, definitely. Not in its ability to rip people to pieces, but still. I suppose <laughs> it didn't make as good a dinner. Or I think it was a house. killer robot, that thing. Like, that was, it really surprised me uh, when that happened and that thing came alive and hunted was, them down in the house. Like, it, was, it was a cool, like it was a cool, scary, you know, strong robot, wasn't it? Like, it, uh, you you know, get that, like, that sound, that um, 
sort of sound like pneumatic press. Yes, yeah. That, that, that very popular with robots. It always sounds uh, unstoppable. It does, in its, it does, in its yeah. movements. It does. So tell me though, was this a hope, warning or an experiment? I'm putting it under experiment uh, because we basically do have, you know, a key character, Julia, is kidnapped by... Alex, who's the inventor and the, the billionaire inventor behind Tao. Uh, and I think it is an experiment because really we see, you're just touching on it, we see AI in its basic form and then through Tao and Julia getting to know each other and forming an actual friendship that then the barriers change, the relationship changes, and then we see this magic of Tao learning like a little child learning but obviously it's quite a different beast than a little child you know and it's got a lot of different powers so uh and then i think as the story progresses and we have the fact that that tao questions then alex's motives you know and protects julia uh and then even at the end the fact that he escapes in his little drone version that's tao um with his memories intact there's then also the question of, well, where to from here? You know, like if this is real uh, as a story or, you know, part of our society, if Julia and this little AI intelligence tale are out there in our society, like what would that mean for society going forth? So I see it as an experiment. Experiment? Yeah. I like to think of it as a hope. Yeah. Uh, from that point of view that the, the machine, it was not the terror of yeah. the house. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of expecting that to be yeah. the point and I was thrilled to see that the computer was not the bad guy. The computer, in fact, was a good guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting off seeming to be the the captor. Yep. But, as you said, growing into into humanity. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, I think learning and growing with the main character, the, the Julia, she had a few of her own sort of uh, hang-ups and problems and, yeah. and kind of worked through a bit of that, uh, I guess, of trust issues and things with this computer. Yeah, definitely. So it was it was very nice. Um, it was almost like one of those, uh, you know, a cat and a dog traveling across the country sort of things. So this was a, a computer and a robot <laughs> yeah, it learning was. To, to talk to each other and be nice. It was, it was. Um, so anyway, you up to anything sci-fi related yourself before we get stuck into the nuts and bolts of this particular film yeah i discovered on youtube a channel called dust d-u-s-t it's a bunch of short science fiction films a lot of them are sort of computer animated or assisted by computer animation and they're i know they're maybe five seven minutes sort of long they're quite short yep which means you can actually sort of watch one or two here and there in between doing other things. Nice. Uh, so, in fact, while I was you know, writing up notes for one of my other podcasts, I stumbled across it. Yeah. Uh, so that was very cool. I've watched one of those episodes about a um, sort of a, a combat robot that seems to have had... And it, being a short film, it doesn't answer all your questions. It, yeah, it actually course. leaves you with kind of more questions, yeah. which is... I think part of the way it inspires your imagination a bit was a combat robot which seemed to have been infused with um, you know, an intelligence of an actual soldier, but it was resurfacing. That intelligence was resurf- resurfacing, meaning that this combat robot was not uh, doing its combat duties, which seemed to involve just indiscriminately killing. 
it sounds good. Cool. It didn't feel like doing that, and so it it, it had a debrief and a it was it was quite good. If if you ever watched the movie Source Code, yes, with yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a situation similar to that. Oh, nice. This combat robot was locked in in some sort of a uh, you know restraints of some sort and connected in, and the person doing the interrogating was in interrogating within a virtual environment. Uh, so that was kind of an interesting sort of take on it as well. It yeah, clearly nice. showed that they had the technology to yep. to move consciousness mm-hmm. into a computer and back. It's just that the combat robot was stuck in the computer. Yeah, so, nice, nice. And yeah, so I'm, I've put in that one on um, to, to have a look more at because it's every, every week or every couple of weeks they come out with like a little short film. Yeah, right. So it's pretty cool yeah definitely i'll have to check that out yeah so that's that's my number one thing although what did i watch this week other than tau i watched uh geez i can't remember <laughs> it'll come to me later yeah fair enough come to me later i'm sure and yourself uh yeah well my feature script is days away from just totally being locked in the can <laughs> as in done so yeah, that's really exciting. I'm just kind of combing through that last version, uh, just looking at you know the grammar, punctuation, double checking, formatting. Uh, yeah, I had I had an experience last week. I was a little unsure about if the start was punchy enough, and I just I actually had a bit of a vision about how the start should be. Just come to me, and it's just a, a bit of a different altered version to what I already had, but I like it a lot more. So I've added that in and I've deleted a little bit of other stuff. And yeah, but it's just kind of that final scrape through. So I'm hopeful really this week, maybe next week, it's just going to be done, which is really exciting. Oh, that'd be cool. So yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I already know what I'm doing next. So it's just like, I'm just, yeah, I just want to get over that hurdle and then I'm going to I'm going to send it to that contact I mentioned before, the producer behind Other Life. I'm going to also put it into the Australian Independent Film Festival, which happens in Queensland in November. So I'm going to enter it into that. That's a competition. So that's thing. just just the script you put in. Yeah, just the script. Right, yeah, okay. so that's a I've never entered that competition before, but um yeah, I want to I want to give them a whirl this time with that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll do those two things first and then I might look at where else I can uh, submit it as well. Yeah. So I'm excited by that. And then it'll be time to sort of move on to, yeah, making a short short film that's sort of going to be coming in the next couple of months. Yeah. Oh, well, I look forward to that. Yes. So yeah, a bit of exciting stuff going on that way. Yeah. Can't wait for it to all pl- keep going. Oh, it's, it's lovely these days. Back in school, the very thought... <laughs> My very thought of doing any sort of media production was just outrageous. Uh, yeah. I, I did, I did uh, filmmaking uh, in year twelve, mm-hmm. and we had these yeah video VHS yeah of course type tapes or, or what are they, the little ones the mini DV and, ones yeah uh, like a, a contraption for editing which yeah. took the master and then a and a duplicate and you ah uh, it was so hard and. From that, I just thought, I just cannot imagine. You know, this is something you'd need a full studio and you'd need some serious money behind because the equipment the school had was a little bit aging, but mm-hmm. it was still pretty expensive. Really yeah, good, yeah. And, it, and it was just dreadful. 
little did I know, of course, that now it's so easy to throw so together much film. Easier. Yeah, uh, it really allows you to, I suppose, work on your actual filmmaking skills rather it than does. worrying about how you're going to get a camera. Yeah. You know, back in the day, you'd have to sort of beg, borrow, steal cameras. Now everyone's got a high definition camera, so that's. Yeah, and it just like even we had the experience at film school of the the first year at film school was a bit like you described. There was a physic we had a physical editing scenario with a computer. Then in second year they upgraded all of that at the film school I was at, so it just went totally digital. Uh, but it's still you still did an output to a tape because this was pre well the internet existed, but. You know, we're talking the year two thousand, so it's five year, five seven years before YouTube. So and that so that whole sort of like you know, people didn't share video online at that point. No, it would have um, taken too long to upload no, and download. Yeah. And so we still we still had to output to tapes, and then those tapes you could send to people and stuff like that. But it was just I think society now it's more because we have that more um, was it called Creative Commons open license freedom of people saying hey look this is something i made and i'm putting it online vimeo youtube whatever for you know social media sites and stuff it's 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 just a whole different way of looking at it now you know and you know, the old school companies don't you know they want to they want to lock us back into mm. archaic copyright law whereas a lot of the modern generation is going that doesn't that that's not how it works now it's it's also different ways of making money from that's right yeah yeah that's exactly right so there's a whole other way that you know you put something on online to then look at people looking at it liking it they like you sorry as an artist and they want to see more of your stuff i think everyone you know? likes me as an artist <laughs> we all do i just haven't put out much art that's no all. we're just waiting for more of your art okay okay just get more of it out there so anyway um to go full circle, the one thing I was going to say is we, even though we had digital computers and stuff, you used to lose whole assignments. Like you'd be, work, you'd be editing for 10, 20 hours and you'd just lose it all because the computer would crash. And you'd re-beat the computer, it's gone. Mm. Um, and whereas now, like, so you got, you got frustrated. You got really frustrated with the whole experience and you'd kind of walk away sometimes just going, oh, God, it's not worth it. Like, I hate this thing, you know? Whereas now, of course... A, a lot of that is eliminated. So you're actually enjoying the editing. You're enjoying the process. And then when you output it, you're like, yeah, I like this. <laughs> and <laughs> it doesn't have all that negative connotation. And it's, it's quick to get cuts out, to have yeah. a look at as finished, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, the product as it becomes finished. And, and distribution becomes simplicity in itself. In fact, it's often harder to, it's harder to not distribute than it is to, distribute like you <laughs> upload it to anywhere and yeah. you've actually got to work to stop it from getting leaked out that's right yeah yeah it's all you've distributed haven't you that's the thing in the old days it's like you physically had to send copies to people you know now uh, it's uh, massive it's, gatekeepers where yeah yeah the, you, we won't even go there it's just it's it's outrageous who knows they might still exist sorry and they'll get rid of this podcast Get it off Spotify and... Oh, well, they are trying, them... <laughs> they're trying to do it. The, the media companies are moving in on podcasts now and they're they trying are. to... Uh, you know, Apple is going, bringing out exclusive podcasts that ah, only, okay. you can only get if you use your Apple podcast. Yep, yep, uh, yep. Spotify has bought Gimlet, I think, okay. Studios, which is a big podcasting radio studio. Yep. And uh, Luminary, is a, is, again, has raised $100 million to buy exclusive rights to podcasts okay. and producing big name, you know, people like uh, 
There's a Ron Burgundy podcast by Will Farrell. Yeah, right. Farrell. 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 Will, if you're listening, <laughs> you can contact <laughs> us and let us know how to pronounce your last name. Yes. <laughs> As is usual, we have trouble. We do have a lot of trouble. So anyway, look, we should probably focus on not talking about those gatekeepers too much and talking about this film because this is what it's all about. The only gatekeeper I want to know about is Alex. Alex, And his yeah. house. Tao. Um, so we've got this great story really of a woman is held captive by a scientist in a futuristic smart house and hopes to escape by reasoning with the artificial intelligence that controls the house. Um, and so this is directed it's the, in 2018, it came out, it's available only on Netflix at the moment, uh, directed by Federico D'Alessandro. It's written by Nogo. Landau. Noga Landau. Yeah, that's that's really good, sorry. Um, and it stars as our key, really three just characters in this story that are worth mentioning probably is we've got Julia, she's our key character, our protagonist, played by Maka Munro. We've got Alex, the scientist, he's played by Ed Scream, and the voice of Tao, and I got excited when I saw this. I know you didn't notice in the credits, but I noticed in the opening credits, the Oh, just this guy, I love this guy, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Yes, He's I, in so much stuff over the years. He plays bad known. guys. You know, as I was just telling you before, the um, Hitman's is, um, is, well, yeah, the Hitman's bodyguard, and he's in that as the bad guy. He, he, this Fifth is what he element. does. He's very good in the Fifth Element. Fifth Element, yeah. I mean, there's, we we don't need to talk about what he's done. He's just brilliant. He's one of these actors, great character the actor. Professional, I think he's. Is that what it's called? The professional with. Um, Natalie Portman. Yeah. Luke. Is it Luke? Uh, someone or other? The French dude. Yeah. John Luke Pereira or something like that. Yeah. Another pronunciation. If any of these people, maybe Gary could just clear the air and just let us know. He could give us a call and just read out his whole IMDb. Or if Natalie Portman wanted to get in contact with me. That's yeah. She's a bit more connected to sci-fi, I suppose, isn't she? But anyway, Gary Oldman. She's I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, of the Star Wars stuff. Uh, Annihilation. Annihilation. Very recently, yeah. So anyway, she, look, Gary Oldman, we, I love him. I love him. He, you know, it's exciting to see that guy in, in the credits. So, yeah, so that's a bit of the breakdown of the key um, stars of this. So should we just run through a bit of a plot that we have? Now, this film got me excited from the start because it's a bit, it follows a classic horror idea which is our main character she's a bit naughty at the start she's a thief yeah she's pickpocketing so uh in particular if you have a woman who's doing naughty things yes she's in a tight skirt they get get punished very badly they do get punished in horror so to me it was like straight i was like oh hello we're following this beautiful woman down a dark alleyway in a really skimpy outfit and then we learn that in fact she's using her body to kind of you know elude uh, young men in nightclubs while stealing their possessions, their wallets, Pick, phones, pickpocketing, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, other people might say, well, good on her, she's just making a, a dollar. But yeah, straight away it's setting up that she's breaking the rules. Um, and she is told as well then where she goes to hock all this stuff that, you know, she should get a partner and things should get better and she shies away from that. And very quickly we, we are learning that someone is kind of lingering in the dark behind her and following her. There's a car, there's a hoodie. 
Mm. Um, there's a bit of that sort of tension. And so to me, I was just like, oh, God, this is a good old horror, really. This is starting like a horror to me. Um, we go to her apartment. We learn a little kind of nice thing about her, which is she uh, feeds the pigeons. This is her, Save the cat. This is her save the cat <laughs> moment where, um, we, where I, I couldn't help but notice that and think, yeah. oh, there we go. She has a heart of she gold. She has a heart. She cares. Yeah. And she also taps music college or music university or something. Yeah, yeah. so she's, she's, so she's to, saving for... She's trying to do something good. Yeah. yeah so although she's stealing money, she's she's got a goal. She's not just stealing it for heroin. Um, and the next thing we know after a bit of creepiness in her house, we see the door lock. I liked that, the, the lock of the door turning, but then no one's there. And then all of a sudden she's attacked yeah, from behind. Gets, Jab with a needle. Bit, bit Hitchcocky. Yeah, she goes. Know. If Hitchcock's out there. <laughs> uh, anyway, so she awakens and she's got a creepy mask over her face and she's also in this sort of dungeon place with uh, two other uh, people that have been kidnapped. Yeah. Yeah. Two um, other people. It's all very sore-like. So, mm. then, you know, she's there's medical equipment. She's been strapped to a chair and some sort of procedure is being done to her, but she doesn't yeah. know because she's... Uh, I mean, she's sort of out of it most of yeah. it. And so, yeah, along with those initial horror trope actions that were happening there, I was really starting to think, oh, okay, yeah, like like you, this is going to be, it's going to be a little bit stomach-turning perhaps. Yeah, There's going to be some really awful situations mm. here. Uh, so, Oh, that's, that's right. There's, I, I'm, we, there's a flash, isn't there? There's some flashes of her sort of throughout her life. There's a quick series of... Like she's a little girl and I think no. her dad's not very nice to her. Yeah, or something. Like really quick, really quick. And then she's a teenager and, and I think she's trying to play music or something. There's just a real quick series and then there's her stealing from people. And, yeah, you're right. She wakes and it's a very clinical lab prison that she's in. She discovers these other prisoners or, you know, um, people that have been kidnapped. And But very quickly she's a bit different to the others, isn't she? She wants to get out. She's We know that she's a bit more clever. She grabs, she steals, manages to steal a surgical knife and yeah, get her scissors. mask off or scissors. Yeah. So weird little, those yeah. angled scissors. Angled scissors. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so she gets her mask off. She gets the other's mask off. We learn a little bit about them. The guy says that, you know, we're the bottom of the barrel kind of people. Um, and no we, one's going to miss us. No one's going to miss us. Yeah. Like this is why he's picked us. And um, and they're kind of fearful of the man, the kind of mysterious man. I don't think at this point we've seen his face either. So he's kind of been kept in the dark. Now, I got a real vibe of like uh, Sin City, in fact. Yeah, if you yeah. remember Sin City, the first one there where yeah. uh, there's Elijah Wood's character. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's that sort of had this, the, the glasses. The, sh- you just, the shadow. You just sort of see the glasses glinting in the yeah. shadow. Very similar here. You've got this very sort of straight cut looking guy. Which makes him a little bit more sinister because he he looks so sort of clean. He doesn't have like you know wild shaggy hair or you know rags of clothing. No, it, no, it's it, very clinical. It's looks surgical. It's a bit doctoral. Yeah, yeah. So, and, again, that, and that in itself is quite spooky. I it think. is. It is. And these ideas, like I'm, there's a couple of movies. That, I mean, Human Centipede's probably one of them, and I think there's another one. <laughs> that movie cracks the entire concept behind that movie cracks yeah yeah up. but but there is and I've seen a couple other horrors I'm just trying to think of a title but of my head but there is that idea of like 
the surgeon, isn't there? You know, mm. like a clinical surgeon, you know, not just this deadbeat guy. Well, some that, of like, the Hellraiser. Yeah, has, that's There's a right, bit of that yeah. going on in there where there's the psychiatrist, for example, who, who does his little experiments and mucks about. And, I mean, even Saw itself, isn't it? It alludes that the doctor is behind it. You know, how there's that kind of, as a bit of a plot point and then it and then it's not you know so it's kind of yeah it was actually the doctor's patient yeah so it's kind of like sorry i just ruined it for everyone who hasn't seen seen sorry we didn't do that as a um thing anyway so julia pretty quickly she wants to escape as she gets the mask off she starts (coughs) excuse me she uses the thread of her pants um and the scissors to try to get out and then she they realize that there's this big um, well, I'm going to call it the air condition. Air condition. Air condition. I think it was a generator. <laughs> it was Some gas. sort of power generator. There was gas going yeah, in there. Gas, and... There was gas and... Oh, anyway, so she's trying to like spark a thing and then she hooks the pipe so the gas actually comes and starts pouring out, doesn't it? Yeah. And then they, everything's electrified down there. Yeah, so then... And then they she causes deliberately... The others say, don't do it, but she causes a massive explosion. And with that, um, yeah, their prison cell is kind of you know, um, burnt to, to pieces and they're free. Uh, the alarm is going off, there's smoke, there's fog, all sorts of stuff. They get upstairs, get to the front door and it is a solid beast of a front door. You can't get out. And and we also realise that we're in someone's house. Yeah, that's... We're that's, not in like a, a prison or a, an abandoned warehouse or factory or anything where you'd normally expect these sort of... It's a, it's a really expensive upmarket house, isn't it? It's yeah, a, it's, it's a mansion. But they can't get out. The front door is, you know, whatever it's made out of, it's a solid uh, state-of-the-art door. And then with that, we get this death robot, as I like to call it. Yeah, well, <laughs> the, the guy alive. that's in there with her, uh, he, he sees there's like a little hand panel. So he puts his hand on it and, and the woman says, no, don't, but he does. And then it goes red, of course. The alarm stops, the lighting changes. And this, what appeared to be a modern sculpture suddenly starts transforming into this rather angular and powerful-looking robot, which then proceeds to hunt them down one by one, ripping them to pieces. Yeah, and it does. It does it pretty quickly. She discovers a wall that looked like a big glass wall, but it's actually electronic digital TVs. It looked like it was a forest, like looking out on the forest or something. And as she starts to crack it uh, with a weapon, uh, it's no, it's like a digital screen. So they're trapped in there. Concrete background, yeah. 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 So so you're left wondering exactly what sort of house this is. Uh, Yeah, and uh, the robot... Alice comes home before the robot kills her. Yeah, he stops her. He just... She gets grabbed by the arms. That's right. You you think she's going to have her arms ripped out. Yep. Uh, When Alex, the owner of the house, rocks up and says, you know... Tail stop. Tail stop, yeah. And uh, then he um, he assesses the situation and realizes that he's lost his research, these uh, things he's implanted in the back of their heads to record their brains. Two of them are gone completely, but hers is still recording and viable. Uh, and when he looks into it, he sees he's actually getting quite good response from her. So rather than dispatch her, he has a bit of a deadline to reach. We're not sure exactly what it is he's trying to do, but he has to record their brains to do it. We, lo- we learn in that sort of scene as well when after the assessing of the damage that, well, I mean, there's some pictures of him. He's like a billionaire. He's an inventor. He's behind AI previously. He runs some sort of big company. Um, then he has a meeting, doesn't he, a virtual video meeting with some other executives. 
and they're talking about that, yeah, he's got so many days to yeah, some, implement Some this big new, contract is coming up. Yeah, this big contract, uh, which we learn from him that then uh, that's what he's trying to do with the experiment with the people. He's trying to sell a more emotional towel, I believe. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what his exact response is because he's saying that he's got about 95%. Yes. The towel is, is uh, a Mark II or is, is level two. Yeah. Uh, the robot which he called Ares. It was his first effort. It was, yeah. um, just it wasn't really that smart. That's right. Tower, yeah. though, he said it was about 95%. Almost there. And he, he wants, he wants to get some more input from these human brains in order to complete his AI. And that's what he's getting from these people. He's kidnapped. Julia overhears this. And because she is a little bit more cunning, she actually barters with him, basically, in that scenario. Because he's got her chained up. He's got the power over it, so to speak. But then she realises, well, he also does need her. So she sort of barters a little bit in that, give me a shower, give me food, and I'll do it. And so uh, he agrees to that. He, uh, he sort of allows that to happen. So then it sort of sets off in motion a bit of fun and games on the story because it's basically... During the day when he's going off to work, she has to do these set tasks with Tal. And when he comes home, he will then collect the data out of her brain and make Tal better or whatever. <laughs> That's and, the premise. Yeah, sort of progress his project there. But we know the whole time Julia's also, you know, because she is doing it all the time, she's looking around, she's trying to figure out how to escape from this place she, as well. She finds a bit of a dialogue there with Tao saying, because yeah. Tao keeps calling her subject three. That's right. And she says, no, my name's Julia. I'm a person. I'll have a name. Yep. And then he, Tao obviously doesn't understand this. And she says, Alex is a person. He's got a name. Mm. And then so Tao, of course, naturally says, I have a name. Am, Am I, I a person? <laughs> and she says, yes. She says, yes. Well, I think she, oh, and she ends up, uh, which was a good ploy. Sort of, Getting to know him and realizing that she can talk with Tao. Mm, Tao yeah. isn't the captor. No, Ka Tao is also a captive in the he house. Is really, as well, he, yeah. he knows nothing of the outside. Yeah, he tells. And so she this. she can tell him about some of the outside world. Well, he tells her as well. So we sort of have this cat and mouse that during the day, Julia and Tao start to develop and they learn from each other. And then Alex comes home and it's more locked down like a prison again, you know, and yeah. things are tense and things aren't working. And Tao and Julia realise that. They're learning from that. And I think Tao is learning. But, yeah, so Julia realises that uh, through what Tao says that he's not allowed to, like, read the books and he's not allowed to go outside. And so she starts – he asks those questions. She starts explaining them to him and uh, in return that – uh, that, that she, then she's more free to do around the house, you know. And we get to that pinnacle of, like, literally they're in the library playing classical music and she's reading from a book about human evolution and Tal's like, wants more and more and more and more from, from her, from that part, you know. Well, she also learns and she talks with Alex about Tao, wanting to know what he is. It finds out that Tao is actually a failed experiment. Right. He's failed because when he gets too much input information he becomes erratic and initially he's sort of going oh that sounds a bit dangerous but i think julia there at that point goes well let's find out what happens yeah i will progress this this relationship let's let's see what happens when i push tau 
to see what his real limits are. And I was sort of worried. I was thinking, well, maybe a computer that has control over that frightening robot yeah. isn't something you want to have go erratic. But I think what we do learn, not directly, but through the movie, is that the erratic nature of Tao is what you and I might well call human empathy. Human, yeah. <laughs> and emotion. Like he, yeah. he stops being the obedient servant and starts having his own ideas. That's right, yeah. Because he starts playing a bit, again, you know, we go very much from him saying to Julia, complete your task, Julia, complete your task, Julia, to... Yeah, and you know we're going to get in trouble when Alex comes home. To it's okay, we can we can bend the rules a bit, you know, for classical music, because that's something that Tao wants. Yeah, so the more she questions him, the more he questions back, and at the same time, the deadline is approaching for Alex, uh, and he then realizes that Tao has actually changed a bit, and we have a great moment where Julia tries to escape. And he wants, he wants, he won't follow her. Um, that's Tao. So mm. Alex orders him to like follow her into the air vent, and he said he basically stops the robot and everything. And so Alex, yeah, and, there's a, and that fight with him where 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 Tao actually t- says, "I get Stop. off Julia, yeah, or yeah. I will cause pain." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which so is which is like totally throws Alex, and Alex is not happy with that in the slightest. No, he's not. And so what he does in return is, of course, he then punishes him. And we see him, like, damaging Tao's brain, don't we, on the big mm. screen. Like, he, he's he got the ability to fry him kind of thing somehow. <laughs> um, but Tao is kind of, oh, yeah, you know, he's distorting him. And that's his punishment. So he's pulling him back in line. Um, so... Yeah, uh, he then he will he he also then says that for that he wants Tao to hurt her and then he won't. So then he actually decides to wipe Tao clean, doesn't he? Mm. And to do that reboot, we have one of those little drones that he kind of like not exactly sure. I wasn't exactly sure he what nicked, he did to it. He but nicked he, a bit of its wing or something rather yeah. to, to use. In repairing the underground dungeon of yes. torture. Yeah. <laughs> Experimentation. So, did that. so then one of the drones which Tao commands, I guess, still had Tao, Tao's coding in it or whatever. Mm. Um, and so he sort of left this little drone off in the corner to die or whatever. Um, and then in punishing Tao, he wipes him totally clean. Like he reboots him, doesn't he? Yeah. So he's back to calling Julia subject three. Subject three. So then when he comes back on and Julia's upset, of course, because she's lost Tao um, and he, he's back to his clinical self again, you know, and he wants to punish her and get her to do her things. Yeah. And then so Julia is going to, uh, that's right, Alex is going to remove the chip, which will also which will kill her. Julia. Yeah. yeah poor thing. Um, and so in a, in a flash, she um, is kind of screaming in that, that the little drone version Helps her escape, doesn't it? Because he like it come, it drops a little remote control to her restraints. That's right. Yeah, so she can free herself, um, and she frees herself, and she cuts Alex's hand off. Hand off, yes. Yeah, because that's obviously the hand to get out of the house. She runs upstairs and to set the self destruct on the house, which was something that we did learn. We have we didn't speak oh, about. She but first tries to escape out the front door, but Aries sort of gets in the way oh that's she, right yeah yeah she has to sort of run around and dodge around and that's when unable to get out that way she yes. runs up the stairs she runs up the stairs sets the self-destruct yeah with his hand he and then rips his way in yeah so she dodges around she yeah. dodges around him and he's getting kind of destroyed by the house that right i'm just trying to remember yeah the house kind of destroys alex so yeah yeah because yeah. alex confronts her at the end with his 
just as she's again trying to get out. Yeah. And he confronts her and, and I was thinking, oh, here we go, this is one of those bits indestructible bad guy but then just the, the house drops on him yeah that's right. <laughs> splats him uh oh sorry yeah that's right with alex yeah so yeah so she kind of sets herself to strike she comes around and then alex yeah peers out he's got the one arm to grab her and the house big concrete boulder lands on him uh so she succeeds she gets out of the house and the house kind of uh implodes on itself doesn't it mm. collapses on itself and she is free in a meadow outside the house and she's actually got the little drone uh yeah, which that, is tau that, that beautiful symbolism of the open sky and the free flowing you know breezes over the grass and the yeah. trees because had she stepped out into a cityscape for example uh, i don't think you'd get that same sense no, of no. freedom because you go oh great well now you're just back where you were before that's right but there was uh, this final image was one of you know, um, realizing the beauty of the world. That That's she was, right, yeah. She was free and, and yeah. able to It's very free, move on. you know, free from being trapped in a prison. And for Tao too, he's he's come back on. So it's it's all of what Tao had learnt with Julia, but in this little little drone thing. Yeah, and he wanted to see what trees were. Yeah. <laughs> the little mite. He's not going to cause any damage in society, is he? Yeah, I, I don't know. It depends on how quickly he learns how to... Um, program himself yes that's right so yeah that's pretty much the overall plot the key plot points what what did this what was your viewing experience of this like sorry well i was i would have watched it with my wife but she's seen this movie before oh, on okay an evening where i was busy doing something and yeah right she had nothing better to do so i watched a movie oh i went to bed i was super tired as happens from time to time yeah so i ended up watching this one on the train mm. and that was very uh, very nifty. Yeah, it was it was quite nice. I think having that uh, connection between the holding the phone and seeing the little drones and you know, a computer talking through the screen, touch screens going on. There, I I got a bit of a connection there. I, yeah, right. I, I think I would have liked. It would have been nice in like a a big home theater room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I I think it's it's better served in that case rather than being in a you know, cinema. Yeah. Uh, I think because of the the atmospherics of the movie, the it's set inside of a, a house with big screens on the walls and and so on. I think you kind of get a good good uh, what do you call it physical empathy going on mm. there. Yeah, definitely. But I I quite enjoyed it on my phone. Yeah, that's uh, seems to be there's um, it's become quite a good way of watching movies now. Yeah, definitely. You're hip with the kids on the phone. Yeah, I, I'm hip with the kids. <laughs> and I've been doing that myself. This one I got to see. Um, on a decent screen but I suppose for me as well and I just watched on my own but it was like I was really surprised after that opening beginning being kind of almost like a horror was set up you know young beautiful woman doing something bad kidnapped surgically experimented on I was kind of I was thinking oh where is this going this plot but then really once you got into the means of Julia and Tao it, it was really a film that made you think. Like it was re- really got me thinking. You know, well, like just a, those questions of you know, I've got a name. Does yeah, that make me a person? That's right. And he also, she says to him, she's describing the earth, and she's drawing it onto the wall. Smart paint, apparently. Sorry, smart paint. Oh yeah. <laughs> all, all the walls are digital walls, so you can like draw on them, and Tao can sort of input that. But she, we kind of come in, and she's describing the earth. But that's too much for him when he doesn't understand what outside means. So then she goes, oh, so right now we're 
and she draws like a little stick figure and she's like, we're inside a house. And then she draws like, you know, the old traditional, like what a kid would draw as a house. Yeah. But outside the house, there's an outside world with trees and shrubs and animals and stuff. It's like, what's a tree? What's an animal? You know, like, and I was just, it was like, wow, like it just starts to cook your head, this film, like that conversation, you know, we're so used to as adults, I think just we learn things and then we assume things, don't we? Like we just... It's that old, like, The Matrix. That's why I always love The Matrix is just that idea of perception. Yeah. You know, like, what we perceive is real. And so here's a creature, a towel, who's blank. And so then he's asking those questions. And I, I quite uh, quite enjoyed the change in pace. Cause like, you were watching the start and reading the one-sentence blurb on Netflix, I was thinking something more like maybe, you know, like Saw. Yeah, yeah. Or like... Um, a cube? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, cube. Yes. Cube, is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, well, there's the group. Because I was thinking the other one's to... Sphere, which is an entirely different one. Yeah, that's a... Michael Crichton, yes. Crichton. If he wants to come in and tell me how to do this. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, so the yeah. cube, which is sort of similar, like a, it was yeah. like a, a whole bunch of traps in a room. I was going to get, I was getting that same sort of vibe there. Yeah, me too. And then you find out, in fact, the computer isn't the bad guy, because that's what I was expecting would be that the computer starts doing Bad Something shit. bad and, yep. and like she's going to have to appeal to a human, but it's the other way around. She's got to work with this computer to yeah. try and get them both out. And yet you've just made me think this. Like, like I kept thinking, and they don't, they, it doesn't happen, but I kept thinking that oh, she's probably at some point going to seduce Alex. That's the traditional yeah, there was, thing. There was kind of like, a, a like, start of that there was, when she would, she, was that when she was stabbing him with a knife or... Yeah, but but yeah, because there was yeah, where she stabs him, she she does stabs him. But like early in the film, there's you know when she barters and that for the shower and that, then she's in the the robe, you know, like yeah. the towel, and, and he's sort of being a bit he's, creepy. But he's not on top of her. But then you kind of think, oh, uh, it's very traditional, isn't it? Like a woman to escape, they might use their body, and and we've already we already know she's got a hot little body, and she's used it to steal from people. So it made a lot of sense for her to do that, but she never does. And then even she gets clothes and he, you know, there's like a, a G-string or sexy and he goes, I didn't want to seem prudish, you know. Yeah. And um, so you're kind of like, oh, there's a little bit there, a little bit there. And I kept thinking like traditionally that's what happens. Isn't it? It's like the captive, she falls in love with him or, you know, she seduces or, or him. He, he falls, he in, falls love in love with her, with her you know, like. And then so that's how she's going to get out. But that did not actually happen, which I liked. No, it's good. Uh, she basically used her She's the humanity brain. and her brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which was yeah. nice because obviously Tao has no concept of. <coughs> he didn't even realize that he was a house with yeah. an outside. Yeah. So yeah. Was, yeah. Again, it was, I think it, it was good. so any there was no social knowledge for this computer. That's right. So I, I for me, the viewing experience, yeah, big screen, but. The view, this was a film that got me thinking, and I, I liked that, and it stuck with me the next day as well. Like I kept, I kept kind of thinking about it as well, which was which is always I reckon a good sign. So we have the ladder. I'll go through my ladder. I'm putting this one as uh, number five on my ladder. This is the ladder of all the films apart from Space Odyssey and Alien. They're on our classic ladder. So for me, then the ladder after this film is Lobster, Other Life. Passengers, the Beyond, and then Tao takes that fifth spot on the the fifth rung, and then Revolt, the Darkest Dawn, equals Spectral, and then Gora. Yeah, I I quite liked this one. I I would put it just above the Beyond. 
Yeah, right. Because talking to computers, uh, I liked. I, I could definitely see myself seeing this film again. Yeah, in time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, the beyond having that documentary sort of feel to it. Mm. It would take me longer before I watch that again. Yeah, so fair enough. I'm using that as kind of a bit of a gauge. Just a, as a gauge, yeah. Yeah, on, on, yeah the style of it. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, how I rate these movies is mm. how soon it would be before I'd watch it again. Yeah. Yeah, so. So if you're listening out there, let us know your preference after you watch this movie. Where, where is it on the ladder? Let us know what your ladder is looking like with the films that we've looked at and if there's maybe a film that should go in there somewhere. But if you want a film that makes you think, Tower is definitely, I reckon, one of that. Yeah, it, it makes you think, but it's also got a bit of suspense in there. Oh, yeah. It's got a yeah. bit of uh, a, a bit of that hint of, I, I suppose you might call it, uh, it's a very old school sort of horror where it's it's not it's not showing you anything actually horrific, yeah. but the whole time you're imagining at any step something, something dreadful go is going to yeah. happen. I mean, it's a great, um, I mean, look, as writers, it's a great technique, isn't it, that robot? Because really that robot, like even she does try to escape down the air vent and it just <laughs> claws her and pulls her back through the air vent. You know, like it's a, like I, that, I just, in my head, I was like, that is a death robot, that thing. That is not a nice looking robot, you know, so. No, I know, can't imagine extremely why. Extremely powerful, sounded scary. We see it murder, like, it, you know, it murders the other two people before it gets to her at the start of the film. So you know that. One wrong step and she's in trouble. Yeah, I, I really would have thought that the you know, defence contract would want more of those mm. because you drop a few of those into someone's Holy shit enemy balls. base. Yeah. And, well, <laughs> I, don't, I mean, Forget yeah, I suppose it. that's the thing. Again, like you and I were talking about, you know, Iron Man's suit or whatever. <laughs> but it's like, you know, how many bullets that machine could take. But whew, it could hunt down things pretty quickly and... Well, Seems bloody powerful. It's pretty good at manoeuvring through all sorts of spaces. Yeah, uh, discerning people from non-people. That's right. Finding people. Yeah, I mean, we've seen alien films over the years that are not that sophisticated. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, definitely. All right. What about um? Yeah, best scenes. Best scene scenes. that stuck out to you. That okay, maybe so not so good. What are the best scenes for Surrey? Or what's okay. one? What's one? Well, okay, one of them, and I'll I'll leave I'll leave one. I know that you will probably have. To you, I quite liked where she's using the hand to get through the doors and things, <laughs> yeah. and I, I like this because she she ran up, and the first door she had to use, she just put the hand on it, it went bloop bloop, okay, and she got into the main house area, and uh, then she ran up to the the front door. Yep, I think I think there's the no, there's she went up the stairs and she's trying to get into his room. Yeah, and the. Aries robot is chasing her and she puts it on the on the door and it goes dun, dun, too cold and so she's in there rubbing, <laughs> like it, rubbing it rubbing it with her hands and blowing on it and trying to warm it up as if it's her own <laughs> as hands the you know, like coming, yeah. put it on the sensor and uh, it was it was good because uh, it was a nice touch of detail about the temperature of the hand and she's having to warm it up as I found it a bit I suppose comedic in fact yeah, the way that she had to sort of warm this hand yeah uh, whilst a death robot, but at the same time, there's this this terrible sense of suspense where you just don't want her. Because I think the start of the film sets that tone of one of these horror movies, like uh, I guess also a Hostel and things, where terrible things happen. And even if the ending could be considered kind of okay, happy-ish, there's still people are not getting out of it unscarred. So there was that tension as this robot and and the sound of it coming says just thumping upstairs and I had these little ear buds in like quite good ones and it was just 
very intense coming out and she's trying to get it to work and you want it to work yeah. because even though I was pretty sure she's, you know, pretty sure she's going to escape, I thought, well, maybe she doesn't, but maybe Tao does or maybe it's some weird like her brain implant gets up in a Tao and they yeah. live as cyber entities. I thought I didn't want that. Yeah. I wanted her to actually punish this guy, Alex, because he was a goose. He was. And yeah, so it was, it was a great sort of scene with that, that sound of the approaching steps. It reminded me a bit of uh, the first big boss in Doom, a computer game. Oh, yeah. Not the movie. Yep. Well, I watched the movie. It's quite fun. Uh, the computer game has got the cyber demon. And my very first experience of that, this is back before. Was this the, the 1994 sort of uh, DOS version? or was Yeah, this, this is the DOS version. Yeah, yeah. 94, no. Whew, or 92 early, or something. Earlier than that, yeah. So it was before yeah, early 90s. Yeah. Beginning of the 90s, yeah. So, so there's no internet. It's not like I could watch YouTube clips of people no. getting to the end. This is back in the days where when you got to the end of a game, it's, you know. This You've was, gotten to the end. Yeah. <laughs> you're experiencing it yourself for the first time. There's there's no spoilers. Mm. And you come up this elevator and you're just about to open these doors and you just hear these mechanical heavy footsteps just marching around the place. And uh, wearing headphones, for example, you can, you can hear it moving from left to right as it passes around outside this building you're in. And, and quite frankly, it was terrifying. And it, this scene had that nice bit of tension there where you could feel this this robot. And robots are scary because they're implacable. They don't stop. Yep. They're like the Terminator. They, they absolutely will not stop until they achieve their, their goal. And his goal was to you know stick one of his big blades through her chest or head or something. Yeah. He, she wouldn't like it in any case. Probably not the head because they'd want to save the chip, but there you go. So that was, that was a very good scene. I thought it, it had the right level of... It's a nice bit of sort of mild humor, I'm going to say. It was a bit humorous, but there's this tension and detail of reality there of cold hand hopping. Yeah, quite, well, it's great. It, it's funny, everything you were just saying there, like it made me think, and I, I think I had the thought during it, it's, a film like this could have gotten to that kind of anti-hero end so that, you know, at the end of it, Julia dies. Mm. And the point of the story was kind of the human and the AI Tao coming together and showing, you know, as you mentioned, like hope. But at the end, it could have been that real sinister end that Alex just keeps going and Tao is rewiped and she's actually dead. I I think that you'd probably (laughs) still have to have uh, some sort of a hint there that Tao remembers her a bit. Yeah. That would be be the, um, you know, that light at the end of the tunnel of that that grim moving where, grim ending would be where the, Tao kind of, you get a little hint, like maybe a little glitch where something of Julia or something of Tao still exists there and you kind of go... Well, yeah, at some point um, Tao will probably do something like kill Alex or whatever, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I was kind of a bit fearful. As you were just saying that, I remember thinking, oh, yeah, she might not get out of this place actually. Yeah, it could be one of those few efforts which failed. Yes. Um, so for me, uh, uh, we mentioned, like you mentioned before, the drones cleaning the house. I loved that, like cleaning up the murder scene. <laughs> you had the bodies being dragged, dragged. Uh, I thought that was, so mean that, that was so mean yeah. that, that uh, Ares was dragging the corpse, leaving a big blood trail, and all these drones were drones scurrying about it. trying to clean it up. You just pick the body up, man. You'd be nice. And it was good, I reckon, that Alex came home and he like, like he like ran his finger along the, you know, like an edge. 
He's like like checking to see if it's been cleaned and Tao's like, every surface has been cleaned and disinfected, you know, like and it was like but he like ran he's still like doubtful, you know, like very human, isn't it? It's like I don't think you know, just checking, you know, just making sure, you know. Um but yeah, I liked all that. That was pretty cool, that drones cleaning the house thing. Just personally, be nice to have. Be cool to have. Um but yeah, I think that that death robot coming alive yeah. Chasing those two inmates, that was just such a good scene. Like that's, that's, that it, was what I was going to lead with, but I thought I'd leave it for you. As you said, like before, we 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 come up. They come up the stairs from blowing up their prison. They come up those stairs all of a sudden, and they're in this massive mansion, really large uh, landscape. Uh, they go to this solid door that you can't get out of, and yeah, the guy like puts his hand up, and this beautiful sculpture. That was another cool technique, wasn't well, it? Like, there were other sort of sculptures. Yeah, there and, was. Um, we're in this billionaire's house. We call it like, trellis type frames yeah. and, and dividers, and yeah, it was like it almost had sort of a uh, what you might call a South American, Central American, Aztec mm. sort of yeah, 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 these sort of square uh, what do you call them spiral type etchings and and angular uh, features about yeah. the place that yeah there was just it, it looked like a sculpture, sculpture I thought it was, yeah. I thought it, I thought like it had a red glow and I thought it was just a camera yeah that's right yeah or, or so at most but yeah yeah it was a nice it was a very nice surprise because yeah like they'd passed it they'd walked past it it had not moved and you realize we'd heard the footsteps of Ares earlier yeah when they were first in prison downstairs uh, before she would was talking to any of the other people down there we hear this thump 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 walking sort of past and at the time i just dismissed that as being that's the guy yeah or that's right yeah but it was after aries came over i realized that i oh, know actually that was that was the foreshadowing of yeah. this horrible robot or death robot yeah so i think it's great and then you know the way he hunts them down she tries to like hide um, and she tries to help the other one, and the other one's just you know ripped apart and all this sort of stuff. So it was a it was a great surprise because I think at that point as well you thought the three of them would be, you know, like they would either get out together and then that would be the journey maybe, or you know they would all be recaptured, you know. But the fact that like two of them are just boom boom, you know, and then he's going to rip as you said before, Julia. It looks like he's going to rip Julia's arms off, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's always great that isn't it in any robot movie like because just the strength of something that could be a robot would just pull us apart you know versus like again like a human trying to pull someone's arms off um so yeah i really loved that scene i thought that was great any others uh, i was gonna say the the, the um vent chase yep uh, something that always gets me in every single movie where they go into the ventilation yes and i think gora really picked this up nicely is it yeah they're never that big. No, I have never once seen a vent or a um, you know a, a tube or anything that would be big enough for a person to be in. But in all of these movies, they're big <laughs> to crawl around in. In fact, Stranger Things did this very well. Have you seen Stranger Things yet? I'm. I've only watched a couple of episodes, the first two episodes. So no, okay. I haven't seen air vents in Stranger Things. So well, anyway, <laughs> there is at one point they're trying to get someone to go the air vents. And they look, yeah, and it is, it's just, it's little. It's teeny, and, yeah. and the dude who looks and goes, well, I'm just, well, we, we can't yeah. do that. <laughs> and uh, that was a great sort of uh, yeah, betrayal yeah. of this. Because it is big in this movie thing. again, isn't it, the air vent? Oh, huge. Yeah. Huge. And you can fit a car in there. Yeah, I like just walk in there, not a problem. I've, n- I've never seen an air vent of that size. No. I mean, maybe 
maybe you get down to the basement of like a really big building. The initial vents might be that big, but certainly between the rooms and around the place, they're all made Well, up. I mean, even in Die Hard, I mean, Bruce Willis is like squeezing through there, isn't he, with the lighter? Yeah, you know, he's like, on his belly. He's really he's squeezing through, yeah. But anyway, that's... So, but even that it, is it probably... Was, it was a nice scene there where she she climbs in there, though. Yes. And she's... She's a little, it's a little bit tight for her, but she's sort of scurrying in there yeah. and she stops and looks back because Ares is, is this great huge robot. Yeah. But of course, Ares can change his shape. Yeah. So he sits there and looks at the, the vent for a moment and you think, oh, has she gotten away? Has she found a safe space? No, not at no. all. Because Ares then starts pushing his head in and then you hear this yeah. clunk, clunk, <laughs> and his shoulders pull in and then he just starts, starts moving stretching in. towards her, doesn't and he? She, yeah. And then she goes, ah, get away. <laughs> And so she uh, she crawls. And for he's it. like grabbed her, hasn't he? And his big long uh, telescoping arm, terrifying. It's always the thing with robots, isn't it? How long is that telescoping arm? It just can go forever, can't it? Really? <laughs> I've seen Inspector Gadget. I know they're very long. So yeah. Anyway, anyone out there listening could let us know what they think are the best scenes. So what about the science? Sorry, what are you going to pick on? behind the show. I, I mean, obviously, is it AI? Is this what you've thought no, about? We've already spoken about AI. <laughs> Uh, well, it's kind of a little bit AI. How you can make a lot of money. Tell me how you make so it. Video conference calls as they do in this Video room. conference calling. Yeah, that's yeah. the way of the future. It's a holographic video conference call, so it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. I, I was I was more looking at just the home automation side of uh, things. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we've been often promised home automation. Yeah. I remember back when I was at university reading about Bill Gates' house. You had uh, various memory settings. Which led, which led, of course, to this um, this concept of the uh, Internet of Things. Yep. And this is a, a concept that came up uh, quite a while ago, in the 80s or something, but what the idea is, and it never made sense to me, and I think the reason it never made sense is because the technology wasn't caught up with the concept. So it was originally, oh, the very first thing, I think, was like a, a Coca-Cola vending machine uh, on, I can't remember which university it is now, uh, it was connected to the base station the, and was able to say what its stock levels were, what temperature the drinks were, if there were any faults, that sort of thing. And you know, people are then saying, oh, you can have you know smart lights and you can have internet-connected fridge and all of that, quite rightly so, never happened because people are going, what, why do I want my fridge on the internet? Well, what is that going to do? So luckily for us, technology is caught up with the concept and those ideas have kind of gone a little bit to the wayside and become far more complex and complete. And it's starting to make a lot more sense. And Tau, the computer in the house, is kind of a hint of what's possible, except, of course, Tau is stuck to his house, which limits his capabilities and limits the scope of what can be done. So what we're talking about then with the Internet of Things is it's not things being on the Internet that kind of... Uh, a fridge on the internet doesn't make sense. Your light globe on the internet doesn't make sense. It's actually the internet of things. So the things are the internet, not the World Wide Web that we're looking at. And this means that we've got a whole lot, um, we can get a whole bunch of data from all these sensors because all your things, basically, data and capability. So if you've got a fridge connected, for example, you've got the temperature, um, how old it is, how well things are running, its electricity usage. Maybe it, it can detect uh, ethylene gas inside so it can tell when your fruit and veg is going off, all that sort of stuff. All, But that's all, all data. There's The other side of it is the capability. The fridge can 
increase its refrigeration, decrease, you know, be warmer, be colder. Uh, maybe it can change the light setting and so forth. So you've got this mix of the two. The real strength of the Internet of Things, it comes from the melding of this data out from the single item into the network connection of all the items with some artificial intelligence. So the fridge by itself is not terribly useful because most of its sensory information and data uh, is irrelevant. You can just open the fridge and have a look, you know, or you don't care. I've run out of tomatoes. Yeah, it's, it's, not, a, it's not really all that significant. Mm. One, of the, one of the great examples that I'm personally coming in contact with, uh, I work uh, in the energy industry. Uh, as a computer programmer, and one of the exciting developments there is what's known as distributed energy grids. So this this is as opposed to the centralized grids which we have currently. So at the moment we've got some great big generators. Uh, you know, in Quinana we've got some gas-fired things uh, around Kemerton and Collie. There's a big coal plant in Collie, yeah. and we've got some wind farms and so forth. So there's these great big single spot of many megawatts of generation onto great big electrical cables which come into the cities and distribute. But what we see now is everyone is putting solar panels on their roof. And this is more like, uh, this is still kind of like the fridge connected internet. It's, yeah. okay, it's not all that useful. There's no point in having smarts to it. But what if we picked up all the houses in Perth, so there's, um, I know, a few hundred thousand households with uh, solar panels, and what if they had uh, battery connection as well? So on an individual level, you're still going to have a fair bit of fluctuation. But the sun doesn't land evenly across. Uh, from Mandra to Perth is, is like 80 kilometers. The sun doesn't land evenly. So where places are getting a lot of sunshine, they can actually, you know, they're pro producing this information saying, well, I'm getting all this sunshine. My battery is at this level. Somewhere else can say, well, my battery is at this level and I'm not getting any sunshine and I'm connected here, and this area here, the weather forecast says the sun will move over there, and the wind is going to do this. So you've got all this information coming in. All you need then is to have like a, it's like an intelligence to look at this big pool of data and figure out the best way of sending this electricity everywhere. So rather than having like a great big generator that just pumps out power and everyone you know suckles upon its mighty teat, <laughs> you have lots of little teats. No. <laughs> that metaphor is not going anywhere fast. No. But what you have then is you've just got, uh, as each area of the grid changes its demand and supply, it can balance out the other areas of the grid. Mm. And this is done in a decentralized way because all these like individual solar panels, uh, people's batteries, uh, sending out information you know, about charge state and things, and then they're pulling in other information from weather forecasts and demand forecasts and supply forecasts and then that can all be munched together by some smart bit of equipment yep. which will then figure out what the optimal use of battery versus solar versus wind versus these big baseload generators are. And so suddenly now everyone is sharing their own equipment to reduce their own and everyone else's demand, uh, you know, power costs. Sure. So um, that's that's one area that's that's really interesting and that's... And that's, that can only be achieved through this internet of things. Uh, other examples are self-driving cars. 
an individual self-driving car by itself having to figure out everything about the road and how to drive requires a lot of information, a lot of power. But if you have, let's say, most of the cars on the road are connected to each other, then they, they don't have to have the smarts in them. They can share all this information. The car doesn't have to have a radar to say exactly where the other car is. The other car can tell it where it is. Say, oh, my GPS coordinate is this, and I've just passed this point. And, you know, so you get this communication, and traffic can also flow faster and better because they'll go, well... You know, the traffic lights ahead are about to change, so I'll just slow down a little bit now. We all can slow down. And and rather than causing big traffic build-ups and, and so on. And, I mean, that, and that comes down to also um, power control. So if your, your air conditioner, for example, is connected into this distributed energy system and with the car system, then what you can end up with is, uh, as the weather is forecast to be very sunny in your area, your air conditioning can go up a bit higher Sensor on your house will, will tell you how much energy you've absorbed or, or gotten rid of in your house. And then as the um, spike of supply moves on, air conditioning can drop down again and you remain at a nice comfortable condition. And so by the time you get home from work, you've saved the maximum amount of power, but you've got the most amount of comfort in yeah. your house. Yeah. And, and the car can probably talk to the house and say, and we're 20 minutes away, yeah, it'll just, you know, pump it up so it's a bit colder or a bit hotter. Yeah, and, and it'll know... Who, Your master is coming Well, no, who is coming as well. <laughs> so it's like, well, it's not just Surrey, but he's bringing like four of his sporting event mates. That's what people normal people have? Yeah. I think so. Something yeah. along those lines. They've been at a sporting match. A sporting match with a local <laughs> sports team. They're hot and bothered. And, and they'll want to have extra cold beer and they'll want to have the TV on and they'll love music and God knows what else, who knows. But it can all wait till that second that you're either home or the Just second that the car it. drives in. Likewise, or, when you leave the house, yeah, it can all uh, shut locks, down. things, turns off lights, all the rest of it. I know I read a thing even here at City of Mandra we're doing the internet of things with and, and I read the article about it which they were doing it to do with water pipes and drainage and the idea is again i mean like the way i've always interpreted the internet things it's data collection and that data is supposed to make things you know smarter um it's supposed to make things more efficient it's supposed to save effectively over time save money and time Mm. you know like and so the way they were talking about with the drainage pipes and stuff is that they can maintain flows uh, of the drain pipes and then immediately notice that something's not flowing. And so that is like a, a warning. And, but the thing is, if it's set up appropriately, then the information is relayed really quickly to an appropriate tradesperson to fix that problem. And you don't have this thing of like maybe a water pipe running underground for six months and yeah. it's just wasting water. And then all of a sudden they do a routine check and they go, oh, there's a broken pipe. Whereas by noticing like there's an increase in drain drainage at a particular pipe compared to normal flows, there must be a leak in the system. What other in, what other in information do we have on the Internet of Things that's telling us that there's maybe something broken? You know, and so getting- that, that's the way I, that I, it was a good explanation of that, and that, that's just here in Mandurah that they're, they're investing in that kind of technology. And then you can look at the uh, the health side of things. So we're talking about. Uh, we're moving into once once you've got your your Internet of Things, you're moving into this concept of ubiquitous computing and ambient computing. 
So that is everything around you and in your environment starts becoming uh, somewhat intelligent. It can take in data, take some action, transmit data, and as a whole operates as a computing system. And if you've got that, one of the things we're looking at is detecting health issues like well before they become real problems. Because most, most, for example, cancers are actually quite treatable and um, you know, curable if you get them as soon as possible. And likewise uh, with diabetes. If you're going to get diabetes type 1, or you get it, if you find that you have type type 1 diabetes, sometimes it's too late. It's it's at a, at a treadful time where you've had a hypoglycemic event. You've gone into a coma or you've... You've lost a leg or something. Uh, my friend just recently found out that her little four-year-old or something is, is type 1 diabetic. So you can go quite a few years without even knowing. I mean, it's fortunately, uh, he's, he's not been damaged by this. But if you have enough sensors and enough information going out and this sort of... Uh, this ambient computing environment where your refrigerator has a bit of power, your TV has a bit of smarts, your phone has a bit, and it can pump this out to the internet where maybe your health insurance fund, maybe Medicare, runs you know a, a private sort of health monitoring system for you because that'll reduce all of our costs if we can pick up these things. Yeah, yeah. Then it'll go, for example, oh look, you know your blood pressure is increased. Like this, your heart rates are that. Your, your, your I don't want the government. Blood anything. sugar is this. Thing. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't have to be but, yeah, government. It could yeah. be your own, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just, trying to think because there's is it the in the movie The Island and they the clones and they like pee into the toilet in the morning and it kind of does yeah. that. Yeah, like okay. it does an analysis of that and then they're allowed to have something for breakfast or not. Like yeah, you know, too like, much protein, not enough protein. Yeah, you can't have bacon eggs today. You've got to have like the oats or whatever. <laughs> and I don't have the oats every time anyway. Yeah, yeah. But you, but you know, there's that sort of yeah. analysis. Like that's what you need, isn't it? Like you pee into a toilet every morning and it's like doing a urine analysis of your well, system. that's where we also talk about diabetes. You have the insulin pumps and things which are able to detect your blood sugars and just maintain a level of insulin the whole time. Yeah. But yeah, this sort of feedback would, I think, uh, allow, uh, it just allow for this level, as you say, of efficiency and economy that uh, we we could go to that next level of science fiction living. And that's, that's what I'm all about. And the technology is now catching up to that. It is, yeah. In the particular, our everything, yeah. wireless communication technology. Mm, yeah. Because... You know, previously, in order to get the sort of level of late, low latency, high bandwidth you need to for the amount of information going out, is you'd needed uh, fiber optic connections. Right. And whilst we do have a bit of fiber optic cable around Australia, the you really need wireless because your your light bulbs you can't have a cable running to every light in your house and a cable running to your seat that you're sitting in and all the rest of it. But we've got uh, mobile communications. Four G is not quite good enough. Five G is promising to be there it's got the low level of bandwidth the high bandwidth low latency which means it, uh, a message over 5g arrives and is answered very quickly yep uh, it, like a millisecond time as opposed to 4g which is more like about in the tens or 100 milliseconds so it's many times quicker in response which you need if you want uh, your drones delivering packages they need to be able to respond to the bird that's about to fly into them and they need to be able to do that faster than the bird can respond. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There is a problem, though, with 5G. And it's not necessarily the health issues. 
uh, it's actually there's um, when the chips in the current 5G phones get onto 5G connectivity, they actually heat up too much and shut down. So most of the time, you're actually not able to use 5G. And this is this is a, a problem with the fact you've got the a lot more throughput requirement, a lot more processing requirement. And so we've got this theoretical way of communicating very efficiently and effectively, but we don't have the hardware that will do it in a useful manner. So it'll be interesting to see how they overcome that issue where you can't have your, yeah, you know, I was to say your office chair, which is monitoring posture when you're up and down, how much you fart, who knows what it's doing. But you can't have that just shutting down every five minutes because it overheats. That's right. Yeah, it's it'll catch yeah. it'll catch fire and your house will burn down. <laughs> and the five G sensors will turn off because they'll get too hot and they won't be able to inform the fire brigade and you'll be in trouble. So, so uh, all the other concerns about five G aside, there, there's actually this still actually quite a bit of a technological barrier there that that uh, you need. You need a, a relatively large piece of equipment to work effectively with it, which is the opposite of what we're trying to achieve here. Mm. We're trying to get very small things, like down the size of like a thumbnail type of size. But the, the chip's uh, not quite there yet. Yeah, it's, it's not there. So so that'll be interesting. And so I was thinking about that with Tao, with his, his army of little drones, yep. the way he was in all of them mm. and still within the main processor of the yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's sort of... Tipped me over. And I was thinking that that's sort of the micro level, and actually the least benefit I think, because again, I can vacuum my own house. Like, it doesn't. It's not actually that much. I don't vacuum my house very often because I'm lazy, but I could. Yeah. And having it, having an army of drones constantly cleaning my house, yeah, it, it doesn't seem to add a lot of benefit to me. But if someone said, "We can basically run your house for free." Yeah. Because industry will suck up your spare power and your house will self-optimize uh, to to whatever settings you choose for it. Yeah, we go, well, okay, I'll do that. Yeah, that's that's a real benefit. That's there. right. Not yeah, to mention, yeah. then you're also talking about, say, as I said, these, these health benefits. If you have health monitoring, when you're talking on an individual scale, you go, well, I've gotten to the age of whatever and I've not had any real problems. So why should I pay for someone else? You go, well, that's not the thing. If on a population of 25 million people in Australia, we could basically, you know, halve the incidence rate of all diseases. Yeah, that's it. Medicare would suddenly become a really cheap thing to have. That's it. We wouldn't have to go to doctor's visits because we would be on the ball straight. As soon as we get the um, common cold virus, it would our body, something would tell us and we'd go, hey, by the way, you, you might have got the common cold. Yep. Do these things. Don't go out. Don't go talking to other people for four days. Whatever it is, and diseases will start disappearing. Cancers will will be detected so early that they'll be preventable. Preventable. Uh, you know, entire standard of living will raise, and the cost of maintaining a population will drop. Uh, and I think that's that's where we're going to end up in um, Star Trek land. Yeah, and I mean, like you're saying, environmentally, it'd probably be better as well because if the grid is more greener because that's what I've also heard mm. with that whole distribution of power you know what I mean because obviously people can have solar panels you might have a couple that have solar panels and they go out to work all day and pretty much they're just going back into the grid you know but that power could then maybe go to the house next door which is maybe an elderly couple 
And so therefore the green is, you know, it's just green all around, isn't it? You know, yeah. so it's like this distribution of power. And then maybe when that young couple come home, they're then taken back from the battery from the older people. or what You know, so there's this distribution uh, equalization that you probably would have uh, you know, less reliance on coal power and other, yeah. other things. Because if you look so at grids the like The environment the, would get better. Like the East Coast, it's, it runs a couple thousand kilometers up and down the East yeah. Coast. And the uh, the weather conditions across that amount of geography yeah. are so varied that there's actually so much wind power and solar power hidden there, you could easily power the whole place. The problem is that it, it happens in different spots, and you don't different times. It's, it's different, different times, and, and you can't you can't connect the dots very well. No, you've got to have that information as you're talking about coming processing, mm. you know, and that constant. I think that's the other thing, isn't it? It's like a constant. You know, it's like a mum with 10 kids. It's you know, like there's a lot of fires to put out. So you need that algorithm massively yeah. working through all of that, you know, as, 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 a, um, as an issue. Yeah, and, so, and that's where you get, as I said, right at the start there, it's, it's a combination of data and capability. Yeah. So you need, there's no point in having, you know, capabilities without having the information to drive those decisions. And we're only just now reaching the technologies Required for it. we've got the the cloud computing for example we're getting we're getting enough computing power to actually process meaningful sized neural networks which can eat up you know like Netflix the amount of data Netflix gets per minute regarding what people are watching when they're watching and how much data that's using the the videos that you watch are stored and they're reprocessed and recompressed um, constantly in order to maximize the compression because different parts of the video can be compressed at different amounts, but yeah. you don't necessarily know for any given video what that is, but they've got um, monitoring which, which logs all this information and then they've got smarts which look at all of that and figure out the best ways of compressing and sending and transmitting and storing all of that. To try to keep everyone happy. <laughs> yeah, which, which means that Ultimately, it keeps subscription prices down and power usage down, which is just good for everyone. Very good. Yeah. All right. So that's some great science, really. I'm interested that you picked on that. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a good angle. It's something that's been interesting me at work. As I said, yeah. I, I'm, we're really just starting to move into it in the next sort of four years here in WA. We're going through a major piece of reform work and something that is informing that is this concept of uh, distributed energy resources. Yep. Because the amount, like WA in particular, has been so vigorous in installing solar panels. Yeah, yeah. It's the um, so much so that they reckon in the sort of next four to five years, if we don't start moving some of our rules and regulations, some of our computing to this uh, distributed energy resource model, uh, we're actually risking damage to our infrastructure yeah, yeah. because too much electricity, if the clouds part, the amount of sun that hits Perth on any given day is enough to destabilize the grid Yeah. because all of a sudden, <laughs> all these people who, like you said, they're at work, yeah. they're not at home. No, that's right. And particularly here in winter yeah. where last week we got three, four days of clear skies and sunshine. Still doing well, yeah. And it's just like, that's just energy straight to the grid. Yep. And if that happens suddenly, like like I said, the clouds part, then these poor old coal power plants, they just can't they, they can't respond to that quickly enough. 
and so they're pushing out heaps more power and things start overloading so it's it's very interesting and that's why Tao really interests me because of the way he controlled his drones in that organized way that they all they all clearly knew the location of each other yes. and they could move in that perfect formation in order to uh, and that there was a larger presence observing all the dirt and things as anyway, I'm excited by that yeah it is very excited very excited that's cool but well, how about how about some of the interesting parts of the filmmaking there? Yeah, uh, I'm so not, I picked up on a couple couple of bits, I'm sure, but I'd love to hear what you have to say. So the to me, it just stood out. It was very cinematic. It was very stylized. It was very nice, colorized kind of at the start. That kind of horror concept. We had the dark shadows. We had the follower. Um, oh, her purple hair. Her purple hair. And her plastic rubber dress. Yes. Yeah, um, is, was that blue or? Or cyan or something along those lines. Yeah, I think it was blue. I think it was blue. Quite. It was like a neon blue, wasn't it? Yeah, something neon like colours, yeah. Yeah. Kind of felt like we are in a German rave for a minute there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, I, I mean, I really – it was very stylized in that way, cinematically, that, you know, like you've got this beautiful young woman walking down the dark, shadowy street, but she's got all the power, you know. And, uh, yeah, and then also something in, in the house with Alex, like – uh, we had really, I mean, it's a beautiful set, that house, you know, like it was really ultra modern, looked like a mansion house. As we said before, sculptures and things, and one of the sculptures turns out to be the robot. But, I mean, it was a well-constructed set, wasn't it? I, you know, I like, wonder if, how much of a set it was and how much it was actually someone's real house. Yeah, I know, it's hard to know, isn't it? It's I mean, they, that real. They broke it up at the end. They did. But that could have been the set. That That's right, yeah. That part. Computer graphics are pretty mm. good these days. Yeah, it's, it was hard to know because it looked really bloody impressive. So I thought the setting was great. Also on that, like every time it was really nice and symbolic with the lighting that when Alex left for the day, it was like, doom, doom, the lights went down and different lights came on. Yeah. And it made the space look very different. And it was kind of, it was funny, I didn't notice to begin with, but it was almost like it was a bit of good and evil. Like when Alex was home, it was kind of more evil lighting. Yeah, it in was a, a bluer and less <laughs> it saturated. It was colder. Yeah, it whereas was, when he um, left, it was that sort harsher of... Harsher shadows. Initially, it seemed like it was a, a red, like uh, emergency lighting. Yeah. But then as the film went on, it was, it was more sort of a soft orange and yellows and warm colours, yeah. So I thought I really liked that and it, because they kept doing it every time he came and went... And it was very clear, like, you know, when Alex is home, it felt more tense. And yeah, I reckon the lighting... It was a good cue, I found. Like, uh, she'd be doing something a little bit sneaky and then the lights clunk, clunk, yeah. change to that sort of harsh white-blue. Correct, and yeah. And then, yeah, you, you could feel yourself tense. You could, going, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm uncomfortable now. So it was a good motive, like, they used it um, again. Uh, we also, like, Tao himself, I think, you know, great digital effects... You know, him up on the wall, we had him in different spaces. You know, we had it close with Julia. He's touching, you know, she's drawing on the smart paint. That was all quite really cool, pretty cool special effects. They can't see your air quotes. <laughs> no, no, the air quote, the smart paint air quote. <laughs> um, but it was it was good how they did that. You know, the wall sort of vanished. And uh, and then we also had that lounge room where it was just the the screen was the whole wall. Mm. And uh, there's a couple of different scenes, like towels on there, and then there's also another scene where it's like space, you know, and it's just it's, the whole wall is space. I just thought they were great, yeah, great use of special effects. Yeah, I'm I'm also wondering though if that screen wall was in part actually 
screens because I've seen that used. I remember there was a show called Beyond 2000. Yes, which I remember that show. Back in the days, but back when 2000 was, it used to be called Towards 2000 back in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> and then shortly after the 2000, called Beyond 2000. Beyond 2000, yeah. And I remember they were, they were first talking about their flat panel uh, arrays. Yes. And one of the things they had was, in fact, a window that I was talking about for um, uh, providing uh, a, a more open feeling for rooms that were enclosed, you know, like underground or in space. Yeah. And because you could have this sort of um, matte this just very flat, flush to the wall, and it was um, just very, very sort of good at making windows. And so I'm, I'm actually wondering if they used this house, then was a real person's house. That could actually be because it was multiple panels joined it together. Was, it, was, it could yeah. actually be just a very expensive uh, LED sort of LCD dis- panel display, which. Which would make me very impressed. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it was, maybe it was, maybe it was just more a whole screen. I don't know. But it was cool. I really liked that. So, yeah, that's probably it with the technicalities just for Tau. Is there anything else you want to add to the whole piece or are we good to move on? I like yeah, the use of sound. Yeah. Uh, as I've mentioned a few times, the robot walking, the thumping noise. Thumping noise, was, yeah. It was very scary. The lighting was great. This is another one, though, where I didn't notice the music or soundtrack. No. But no. there must have been some there because you've got all of those same sort of effects where I said your heart rate, you can feel a tension start and drop. Yeah. So I... I really must have didn't. been really subtle because I was a bit the same. Like it didn't stand out to me, but I, was, I did feel tense in moments in this film and I did, you know, feel for Julia and Tao and wanted to know what was about to happen. But, yeah, it, didn't, it doesn't like recall in my brain, you know. Yeah, and no, I just do a quick Google there to see if the house on Tao was real. <laughs> nothing coming up. Nothing coming up there. Fair enough. So, anyway, I think, I think that will probably do us. So, look, overall, Tao's a great um, movie that sort of, you're probably right. It's a little bit old school thriller, yeah, you know, in a way, like a woman a being. There in yeah, that it does definitely have that horror intro, which, yep. which worked really well, I think, to to raise that tension, made yeah. you feel concerned the whole time. Even though through that middle portion there, where she's getting to know this robot, this computer, and, and you think, well, yeah, the computer's actually nice because of that intro. I was always wondering if it was going to flip or like I wasn't sure what that dynamic was going to end up as. So so it kind of is a bit more in that thriller. Right? As we're just saying this, it's reminded me not at all sci-fi, but it's a little bit like the hand that rocks the cradle and the single white female idea, isn't it? That it's almost like, is it going to work out or is it not going to work out between our characters? In this case, Julia, Tao and Alex, is one of them going to flip on the other one in a way, you know? Is everything Julia's doing because she can't get out of the house? It, will it kind of come back to well, hit her I, in the I face, or will she succeed? If she was going to betray Tao, I thought if so she too, was yeah. buttering him up and 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 get him to like it, because yeah. there's that moment where Alex is first punishing Tao with the yeah. remote control, and she notices that Aries light goes off and stops mm. following her. So she starts edging and, a little bit back, doesn't yeah, she? And so I was wondering, I was, and you know. Wondering then if she's going, maybe her strategy then would be to really get Tao worked up. Yeah. So he does something really naughty. Yep. 
and then Alex Get punishes punished. him. Yeah, and yeah, at yeah. that moment, because Ares is off and Tau is off, that she does she something. She can make a run for it, yeah. Uh, and then at the same time, like you said, I was wondering if she was going to seduce Alex or if Alex was yeah. going to be taken away. Because earlier on, like I just said, there was that sort of uh, awkward clothes buying yeah. scene. And when she's first getting out of the shower and he's kind of just Staring standing at there a little bit <laughs> awkward. Because, yeah, yeah. And then he walks off and you're wondering if he's going to himself develop human emotion. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, so it was, so it's, it's, that it's a, kind it's a of great thriller, sort of that, that, yeah, that thriller premise there. Yeah, it's but very good. In the sci-fi realm of Tal. But it doesn't do that. It goes down that path of, you know, we have really a psychotic inventor who doesn't change at all. He stays psychotic. Yeah, he's, Whereas he's, Tal, as you mentioned, kind of shows us that uh, by developing Tal's humanity, you know, which the scientist labels as the, you know, the bad side, the bit that needs fixing. Yeah, uh, that's the unpredictable that's side. That's the unpredictable side. For us as an audience, that's like, well, that's the human side. That's being human, isn't it? When we want that. We want a AI that has that human side. So, and, and, and really essentially that's how they succeed is by using their humanity to get out, don't they? Yes. Yeah. And I do like she comes back for him. Yeah. So she she was clear to leave the... The vent was open. Yep. She had stepped out, but Tao was being ravaged yes. by Alex. And she stayed. And then she, she was climbing up the, the, the ladder and then uh, she turned back for she him. She came back for him, yeah. And then fortunately he was able to come back for her as well with the little drone. So it was, it was great. A lot of tension, I think, in this movie. Uh, not at all what I had initially thought. And, no, neither, neither and that's neither. just from those, those opening scenes which really... Um, I, it really could have ruined the film, I think, yeah, by okay. swapping that. But I think what it did do is it it established, uh, without really even telling you what the stakes were, it established that you know the stakes weren't just that she would die, yeah, because that's pretty bland, but that something horrible would happen, mm, yeah. possibly worse than death, yeah, where she would, um, and and uh, Black Mirror does this in a couple of its episodes where. The artificial intelligences are actual people, yeah, yeah. Uh, trapped yeah, in yeah. computer silicon, yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, so that that opening, I think, I think really led my brain down that horror path. Yeah. You say this that that something terrible, like like from Saw or Hostel or something like that, would happen, but you're left with that situation of a computer and a psycho and this poor woman stuck trying to figure out, and, and it goes a couple of different ways, and at any point. It could go dreadfully wrong yeah. because of that opening. So I yeah, think definitely. I think that it's definitely worth well worth doing. And I, having a look at the the, the critics' choice, it's twenty five percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, no, I don't know I who's really voting like... for these things. No, I have no, a no. feeling, I have a feeling that a lot of it now is political. Yeah, I think uh, so. For, in the terms of movie theaters or movies trying to destroy other reputation while boosting their own. I think there must be some politics behind it now. So we just need to create Space Brains database. That's what we need to do. So it's a brand new movie database. New database. Start it fresh. It's all about science fiction being just <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's right. Just a joy watching. Yeah. You just... how, much, how many joy watching? Well, they're all at 100%. That's it. So next, well, this week actually, we are going to go on a very special Space Ooh, Brains yeah, excursion. We're going to leave our mansion studio. <laughs> <laughs> luxury accommodations. And our um, assistants and executives are going to hook up the limousine and get us taken to a Perth 
premiere event of I Am Mother. It's been shown at Leadable uh, Luna and the director is also going to be there for a bit of a Q&A that we yeah. hope to kind of have a little chat with or maybe ask a couple of questions if possible. We're lucky enough to have uh, several Perth directors, writers and actors just now who have done very well for themselves. They are, they're exploding. So uh, In Stranger Things, yep. Billy. Yes, Billy, yeah. Dacra Montgomery, a uh, Whopper uh, graduate, graduate for here from WA. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, um, and you know, we've, we've done Other Life uh, with Ben C. Lucas's film. Um, yeah, there's a Extinction, which we haven't done on this film. But we probably should, yeah, with that's, Ben that's Young, as I think was behind that. So, yeah, film. and I Am Mothers. I, I had not really heard much about this, saw it pop up on Netflix. Oh, it's a Perth director. Wow. You know, Hilary Swank looks like... Uh, People are talking it up as well. They're saying it's an interesting film. It's got robots. How can it go wrong? Robots again, yeah. (laughs) Let's see how these robots turn out. So anyway, we're very excited. We'll go out and about, get outside, see the sunshine, and um, go check out the Iron Mother. So that will be our next episode, sorry. Yeah, so if you can't make it to the premiere with us, which probably wouldn't be too surprising. I mean, you'd have to be in Perth on the 26th. But what you can do is catch it on netflix yes i've confirmed it is on netflix in uh, worldwide distribution okay so everyone should be watching it and saying wow those perth boys yep that's right that'd be fantastic so that's what we'll look at next time so i think that's everything for tonight go check out tau uh the movie and let us know what you think about this podcast as well on our instagram facebook and twitter pages i think that's all for me uh, I was just going to say, yeah, check out shop.gravityundone.net for any merch. And, yeah, um, you can get this podcast on gravityundone.net as well as from all your favorite bits and pieces. Sounds great. And you might spot some other podcasts you like. That's very true. Some good information there. Until then. Until then. See ya. Bye-bye.